You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. You're watching the Pirate Football Playback on the Sports Objective. Join us every Sunday night on our YouTube channel and Facebook Live as we talk East Carolina football. Now, here are the guys. Welcome into the Pirate Football Playback right here on the Sports Objective. And we have a very special night, the Birmingham Bowl Champions of East Carolina University. Very happy about that. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring in Kyle from LaGrange Barber. How are you, man? Good on, Dave. How are y'all? Very, very happy. Matt Semenza, all the way in the great state of Connecticut. What's up? What's up, guys? Uh, really looking forward to uh, having a great conversation with Isaiah tonight. Uh, had a fantastic season. You know, obviously, congratulations. And, you know, definitely a lot to talk about with you tonight. No doubt. Bubba Rosenbaum from China Grove. We're going to what a great night, and I know that we're going to do this show anyway, but it's even sweeter when we got a Pirate victory and a great Pirate graduating and, and moving on to, we know, the NFL. Yeah, great to see this program continue to trend in the right direction, winning the first bowl game uh, the program has won since 2013. And I'm right now very excited to be joined by a guy who's a key cog in uh, all that this team accomplished, and that is East Carolina receiver, Zay Winstead. Zay, we appreciate your time this evening. I appreciate y'all for having me. No doubt about it. Uh, Zay, uh, let's get started with the uh, – get your thoughts on the bowl game and maybe we can backtrack a little bit about the season. But talk about the bowl win. You guys, I'm so happy for this team, so happy for you. I know you made a, a move to East Carolina for this very thing and talk about the whole bowl experience. It was good, you know um... – Getting a bond is, you know, we already with each other 24-7 anyway, but, you know, just being with each other for them, what, five days in a row and traveling as a team and getting a bond more and make more, you know, friends and stuff like that. Because, you know, you usually with your group, like your position group, so you don't really, like, be around everybody. So that was good. And, uh, you know, going bowling and stuff like that, spending time together. So that was a um, great experience. <clears throat> Isaiah, how was the bowl suite? Uh, I know you guys, they don't do really the, the specific presence anymore. They let you guys kind of choose what you want. How was, how was the pickets in there? Um, From what I heard, it was good. So I actually, <clears throat> we had went to uh, Texas Day Brazil, and I had, like, got sick in my stomach, so I missed it. <laughs> oh, wow. So you, you missed your bowl gifts? Yeah, I'm going to still get them, though. I'm going to still uh, – sign the paper and get them but i just couldn't uh-huh. do it then i had fell asleep I yeah. was sick. so that a bad that restaurant is uh by the way guys i love brazilian steakhouses and that was right across the stadium right isaiah yeah yeah so you say too much i mean i ain't no nah, not really i mean i don't i like my stuff well done i won't really trying to eat that uh ah uh, okay bleeding <laughs> food it may have been a coastal waitress that uh served up your oh, food yeah that, probably was you, you know 
<laughs> Probably was, man. Now, Zay, um, kind of going back to what Dave was talking about, you, you coming in as a grad transfer, knowing you had one season, um, the reasons that you left Toledo were made very clear as far as uh, coming to a place that uh, was really in need of some uh, receivers and someone to be the guy, and you certainly were that this year. As you see there on, on the top of the screen for our viewers, 88 catches, nearly 1,100 yards, six touchdowns, a heck of a year. You were so consistent. I think you had pretty much five or six catches in every game with the exception of one. Uh, so uh, just talk about, um, you know, um, being able to do what you came here to do. Uh, it was a blessing, uh, you know, uh, earning a <clears throat> earning a spot and just, you know, being able to show my teammates what I really could do. You know, I was a big talk in the coming to, you know, coming to Greenville and then, you know, being able to really prove it to them that I could do it, you know, and then just being able to make plays for the team and, you know, I know it was a it was a uh, controversy. Like if I could be come in and be the number one guy, I never had a thousand yard season and stuff like that. So that was also another goal of mine and prove it, um, prove myself right that I could go go out and do that. You know, Isaiah, there's so much movement in college football these days between the portal and grad transfers, and obviously, a, you had a huge decision to make last year. You know, you had one year of eligibility left, and it was. It was vital, you know, that you were able to make a great choice that was going to, you know, allow you to sort of propel yourself to the next level. And, you know, when I think of you, I, this you coming to East Carolina for one year was really a match made in heaven. I mean, it was it was great for East Carolina to have you. Uh, we just saw the stats you put up, tremendous stats. But I also think it was great for you, a great opportunity. You know, you were able to step into a great situation here and. Um, and it just seems like it just worked out perfectly. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it definitely did. You know, <clears throat> when I was in the portal, like I said, uh, Holton was hitting me up every day telling me, you know, like he want me there and, you know, we can do what we got to do and make history and do all this other stuff. And, you know, so I trusted him and, you know, I took his word for it. And when I got there, we just, we grinded and stuff, you know, so it definitely like, it won't easy. It won't just, you know, I come in there and we had to grind for it. So it definitely was a perfect situation, you know. And I feel like uh, when I came on my official visit, you know, they everything was evolved around football. You know, it was a football town and, you know, everything just seemed like love. So it was a, a good decision for me. And you talk about the role that Holt Naylor's had in recruiting you. So, so just um, that rapport you developed very quickly with Holton um, throughout those uh, summer, um, you know, unofficial and official workouts. Uh, if, if you would just um, you know, talk talk about that rapport with Holton and um, having the opportunity to play with the guy who was starting for a fifth season. Oh, it was good, man. You know, being a part of um, broken records and stuff like that. You know, like I think the other day. Uh, he had threw some touchdown to me, and I was, like, a part of, like, a broken record or something. Like, I don't even be knowing all that stuff. i seen it on Twitter. But, you know, it just feel good to be a part of history and stuff like that. And, you know, being able to make an impact to this uh, school for one year and, you know, leaving a legacy and stuff like that and being able to help my team win games. So it was good. Uh, perfect quarterback situation we're holding, and, you know, we had a good relationship.
talk about the wide receiver room, you know, with CJ Johnson, Jalen Johnson, all the guys. Uh, you guys were, I mean, what a great core of receivers. One, one of the best years, I'm not just saying because you're on our show, one of the best years we've had at wide receiver U, I uh, wish we use that term more, but we really are wide receiver U. Talk about the experience with the with the guys in the wide receiver room. It was good, man. They made uh, they made my life easier, you know. Uh, I get all the glory sometimes with those stats, a thousand eighty five yards and six touchdowns and eighty eight catches. But if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have those stats, you know. Because sometimes, you know, by them being so good, they'll create one on one matchups for me. So you know, you can't double team the whole me, CJ, and uh. Jalen, so you know it was good having them, and you know we uh we set a high standard for each other in uh in practice. You know we worked hard. Like if you would, if you could go see the clips in practice, you would see like we catch the ball, we burst it for fifteen. Like we just tried to make everything, and when it got easy, we tried to make everything hard on ourselves. So you know it was a good experience with them. You know, like I said, and then we had uh two thousand yard receivers and three thousand yard pass um passer and a thousand yard rusher so like i said it was good to be a part of history and you know do it with those boys yeah exactly. first time first time that's ever been done in east carolina history to have a three thousand yard passer um two one thousand yard receivers and and a thousand yard rusher and we'll talk more about some of those specific numbers a, a little bit later on go ahead Kyle. no i was gonna say speaking of the wide receiver room um in, in your opinion who are some of the young guys that we haven't seen that much that uh the pirates can look forward to seeing next year i mean Guys like Kerry King, oh, they got some potential. Who, who, name a couple of guys that you think that will be uh, standouts next year that haven't seen a lot of playing time this year. Um, Kerry King for sure. Uh, um, Brock. Uh, he played. He played a little bit. Number thirty-three. He played a little bit in the game. In the game. He was backing up CJ. Yeah, he had a catch. Uh, Brock, Jari, um, Jari Patterson. Y'all probably haven't. Y'all haven't seen him this season. He's going to – he definitely going to get some playing time. He didn't earn his spot uh, – well, earn his way into playing in the uh, rotation. Um, Outside, Taji Hudson, you know, he really good. He played He played in the game too. He had a catch, almost scored a touchdown. He also had a tremendous block. Yeah, definitely uh, for CJ. So, yeah. And we, we like, our whole receiving core, I feel like our whole receiving core good. You know, we had Josh Murphy, you know, he uh, tore his ACL at the beginning of the year, like, in camp. So, he didn't get to show his ability out there, you know. Um, we got a lot of people, man, but those people, I feel like, is going to uh, play a lot next year, for sure. And Josh is a guy who had actually, I mean, done some nice things um, prior to that injury and and he had a rapport with uh, Mason Garcia from high school down at Carolina Forest, I believe. Yeah. And he uh, was traveling with us to the games. You know, he was up in the booth, like, helping call plays and stuff like that. So, Kind know. of going back to um, the game against Coastal Carolina, um, looking at that matchup, um, they had been pretty good against the run with the exception of a game or two. Um, so you knew it was going to be – a decent challenge to run the football, and it was not surprising to see us come out throwing it a lot. And so, so now that uh, the game's behind us, and talk about that game plan going in and uh, just being able to uh, really jump ahead of Coastal early and get that 10 nothing lead. Uh, so basically, our game plan was it wasn't really to throw the ball or, I mean, yeah, throw the ball or run the ball, it was just to attack. 
So wherever that may be, whether we throwing it, you know, whether we running the ball, I mean, I ain't really have no worries about Keaton rushing for over 120 yards. You know, he do it every game. So it's, I feel like it was going to happen either way. So uh, that was basically the game plan, just to attack them on all phases of the ball, special teams, defense, offense. And I feel like that's what we did. Like going forward on fourth down, you know, my touchdown was on fourth down. So, uh, you know, I just feel like we played aggressive and we attacked and they couldn't uh, hang with that. Isaiah, you put all the receivers, you know, on the on the goal line and, and you have a race, a 40-yard dash. Who's winning that race? Uh, Josiah Hatfield. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. He he up there. He up there. He, I don't know. Him and Keaton got a race. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like he, to see that. Yeah, up there for sure. Him and Kerry, Kerry King, uh, Jalen real fast too. I feel like behind Jalen, I'm I'm up there. Yeah, and you bring up Jalen. Uh, Jalen had a tremendous game, the second best game of his season going back to Old Dominion. He had, he had nine catches for um, almost 100 yards and had five for about 65 or something the other night. And um, that, that was a heck of a catch on the touchdown. Um the uh, Coastal Carolina guy was you know, excited about the hit that he laid on him, but Jalen held on to the football. <laughs> yeah, like I said, man, that boy, he, we like we just been competing. We've been competing together, um, trying to make each other better every day in practice. And you know, like he nice, like you know, he had a uh, he had a deep touchdown. I mean, not a touchdown, but like a fifty yard catch or a forty yard catch on a hitch and go. And he made a good catch too. So, you know, I was happy for him. I was proud of him. Like I got to be a part of all his uh touchdowns of his career. So, you know, it felt good. Now, Zay, uh, we have some folks chiming in here on uh, YouTube as well as Facebook. Craig Doucette from Virginia uh, says, a heck of a game, Zay. My entire section called your first touchdown when we saw one-on-one with no safety help. Congrats on a great year. Go Pirates. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I don't know why they was playing me one on one, but it is what it is. You know, I just gotta make my plays. <laughs> I'm glad they were say. <laughs> you said what? You I'm said glad you- they were playing yeah, you one. for sure. <laughs> yeah, we noticed that. Um, me and the guy that I was attending the game with, um, were noticing uh, how they were they were leaving the middle middle of the field open um, pretty consistently throughout the night. Yeah. Definitely was. So we were just trying to take advantage of it as much as we could. Kind of along the lines of some of the questions that Matt has asked about, um, but flipping it over to the other side of the ball instead of the other receivers, tell us about some of the uh, the defensive backs um, that maybe we haven't heard of just yet. Um, but, um, you know, they were giving you guys a tough time in practice, and uh, you think they'll be playmakers in the future, maybe a guy like IBM, Isaiah Brown-Murray. IBM, yeah, he good. Um, Siobhan, he played. Um, he played a couple snaps in the game. You know, he made a couple plays, a couple good tackles. It was one play he had got uh, passing the first call to him. I felt like it was good defense. So you know, I feel like him. Uh, and you know, as far as like the safety room, y'all probably seen a lot of them because they rotated heavy. So uh, other than that, um, I feel like IBM and Siobhan should be like. Uh, two good people that's going to 
get in and make a difference. Zay, as you probably know that all of us on the show are huge Mike Houston fans and with the coaching staff, can you talk about uh, your relationship with the coaching staff and uh, what kind of impact do they make? Obviously the results show the field, but what are they like? I know they're very hard on you in practice. Definitely. Uh, you know, besides Houghton, they're the reason I'm here, that I came here because, you know, they, on my official visit, they just showed me like, you know, what it was, what it was going to be, and, you know, Coach Houston told me what it was going to be, and he just laid it out on the table, and everything he said, it came true, you know. So, you know, we were real close. Uh, you know, me and Coach Scott was previously um, together at Norfolk State, so, you know, we got that relationship. Uh, Coach Boyette, me and him became real close as well, and, you know, all the other coaches as well. So we, I got a relationship with all of them. Like, I was just talking to uh, Coach Houston the other day, you know, he was trying to do everything he could to help me out and whatever I had to do and stuff like that, you know, for the next level and moving forward. So, you know, we, we real close. Yeah, Isaiah, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, I do think that East Carolina will, will try to, <clears throat> over the next month, try to go into the portal and add a wide receiver if possible. And, you know, you, you, you're like kind of the poster child for like, hey, you can come here and, and, you know, be successful. Like how much will you potentially get involved you know, if we have a receiver, let's say a very similar situation that you had than you had last year, you know, has a year or two of eligibility left, and you know, will you be able to possibly jump on the phone with somebody and and help, uh, you know, try to recruit those guys? Yeah, I mean, whatever, uh, whatever is needed, you know, like ECU, like I said, once a private, always a private, so we family now. So if the coach need me to, you know, get on the phone with somebody and talk to them and recruit and that's what I'll do whatever they need because you know they looked out for me and whatever I needed they came through so if that's the case then I'll do the same no question with uh, let's talk a little bit about your NFL I know you're working really hard on that your NFL dreams coming up uh, the draft obviously being in April I love the draft time because it's near my birthday so it's like a late birthday present for me being an NFL fan when your birthday uh, April the 14th, just a couple weeks after my birthday. So, um, but anyway, uh, talk about that experience. I, I don't think fans realize how guys, how hard you guys work to get to the next level, not only during the college career, but now this part, the next few months is uh, so crucial. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, you know, the, the this year was crucial as well because without, without me putting up numbers, it wouldn't be what it is now. So, you know, I had to handle that, and uh, it's going to be a lot, you know, putting a, a lot of work into our body and stuff like that, you know, and just trying to watch a dream come true. You know, I really don't know how the process goes. It's my first time, so I'm only tell you what I think. So, you know, I feel like it's going to be a good experience, though, as well, training off somewhere in another state, you know, learning from other people and, you know, other strength coaches and stuff like that and just gaining more knowledge and all the areas that I need. Say, as you assess yourself um, and prepare for the draft, as Dave's saying, um, you know, what are the, what do you feel like are your biggest strengths, and um, and then also a thing or two that you need to work on the most. Um, what I feel like my biggest strengths are catching, and I feel like I can run routes good. Um. What I feel like my my strengths are, I mean my weaknesses are, is uh, 
I wouldn't call it a weakness, but, you know, something I could fix is, like, you know, in a blocking game, get lower in my blocks. You know, I'd be feeling like, I don't know, sometimes I'm so tall that I feel, I feel like I forget to, you know, get low and use my hips and all that stuff like that. So, you know, um, I feel like everything could always be better, but that's the main thing I feel like I got to get better on, and, you know, stuff like that. Something that has not been um, really mentioned yet, um, but um, we had the opportunity, I guess, back in the summer, maybe it was the spring, to have Raekwon Boyette on the show. Talk about Coach Boyette, uh, seeing him get fired up the other night on the sideline. Uh, that was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, man, that's every day. That's practice. That's meetings. <laughs> he like that in meetings. He like that everywhere. So, you know. That ain't nothing new to us. We be laughing. We be laughing with him and stuff like that because he always he always turned up, and we always be making jokes and stuff. Saying like he always yeah he's just always bringing the energy and stuff like that. So if you're not gonna have energy in practice, he will. He gonna have it for you. He gonna make sure you got it. Isaiah, as far as the bowl prep, can you talk about the uh, you guys look like a well-oiled machine? And I know another thing that for uh, football players this time of year, a lot of guys were banged up. Uh, can you talk about some of – we were talking about the younger guys earlier, but as far as practice is concerned, were there guys that you were like, wow, that dude is going to be great for ECU, like guys even in practice? Um, You said during the bowl game? Like the, no, the uh, practice leading up there, were there guys that – we're talking about standing out that you've seen, but were there guys even in practice that – we heard that Mason Garcia had a huge uh, – like time there with the bowl preparation practices. What about with the other guys like that that really stood out? Yeah, uh, like I said, Siobhan that corner. Siobhan, um, you know, it was a few it was a few running backs like Camaro, Camaro Evans, um uh and the receivers and uh yeah that's about it. And a few linebackers too. And a few linebackers. So those are a few people who stood out to me. It looks like Mason's going to be the heir apparent to Holton. Uh, what, are you, what are your overall thoughts on Mason Garcia as a quarterback? Do you, do you think he can win at this level? Yeah, definitely. He, sh he definitely got the, um, the arm talent for it. Uh, he just got to continue to work. That's about it. You know, it's going to take, you know, he's going to make mistakes. It's going to be his first time playing quarterback. But, you know, he's got to continue to work and have a short memory and, you know, build up to that experienced quarterback you know it ain't gonna i don't feel like it's just gonna come overnight you know it's his first year but he's definitely gonna make great plays and he i feel like he'll be a great quarterback at ecu Zay, we have another question for you from craig Doucette. he said what stands out to you about ecu compared to your previous stops in toledo and norfolk state also enjoyed watching you play at highland springs when you played deep run i appreciate that um what stands out to me, uh, just the program in general, like, you know, the program, uh, as far as like the coaching and stuff like that, the culture, you know, it's a football culture, the fans, you know, like, um, and the town, Greenville itself, you know, I, it's people everywhere I go, somebody saying, you know, they seen me play, they seen me play last night. I could, I had, uh, broke my phone, um, sometime in camp and, uh, no, I had broke my phone like during the year actually. And then, you know, I had went to go get it fixed. And then, you know, he was telling me, he was talking to me. The person who was fixing my phone was telling me about how they seen me on TV and all that stuff like that. So, 
you know, that's that's different. I ain't never had that before, you know. Like I had went to go get a U-Haul the other day, and that person was telling me about how he just seen me uh, um, making a touchdown catch last night and stuff. So it, it's different. Like it's different here. I, I like it. It's the best place I've been so far. Sounds good. I know we've got some other people chiming in, like Robert Dedrick uh, chimed in. We enjoyed you, Isaiah Winstead. Great young man. I know. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, Justin Butts, he says, appreciate everything, Isaiah, from the Queen Annie. Um, and let's see. Also, um, Alice Williams chiming in, saying, Isaiah, you're a great player. And, man, thank you for becoming a pirate. Appreciate y'all, man. I'll try. Try. Now, they... Um Really appreciate your time tonight, and uh, as we heard there in the background, and congratulations <laughs> on, on, on the birth of your son. Definitely, I appreciate it. He's trying to make some noise over there. Yeah, he, will he be a future pirate? I hope. I hope so, man. Depend on the head coach. Tell him off of my boy. All right, <laughs> no doubt. Well, then the next, uh, I guess, eighteen years. Say yeah. thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thank you for being a pirate. Do you have any final thoughts for Pirate Nation before we let you go? Uh, I just want to say I appreciate y'all, man. All the support since day one, you know. I I love it here. You feel me? So I'll be back for sure. All right, thanks. Hey, good luck to you, man. Good luck. Appreciate you. Appreciate y'all, man. Happy Thank New you. Year. All right, take care. Happy you. All right, thanks, man. Take Bye. care. See you later. Bye bye. Uh, great stuff there from. Zay Winstead, glad to have a, hey, uh, maybe their name needs to be Isaiah, right? Zay, <laughs> we had Zay Jones, Zay Winstead, uh, Zay Semenza. Matt, do you have a boy named Isaiah? <laughs> I don't, but I but I do like, I, I think that's a cool uh, nickname, Zay, you know, it works. Obviously, you know, Zay Jones is, is, is a great one as well, like you said, so it works. Yeah, yeah, they, they call a lot of passes here, um, the last two Zays, so. Um, man, what a great season, guys. I, I, I checked before, by the way, 246 days before the big house. I assume my assumptions are we're not going to get the – I don't know that for a fact, but the NCAA, I doubt they're going to grant us the uh, Gardner-Webb game. I hope they do, but my mentality is uh, expect the worst and hope for the best when it comes to the NCAA. So if that's the case, 246 days before we play Michigan. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder if – um. And maybe we talked to him about it, but you know we do have Marshall on the schedule. That one might be be easier to be moved to week zero because of uh you know cel not celebrating but remembering the crash. You got to come up with a good reason for the Gardner Webb game. I suggested tied it into something like mental health awareness or uh, you know something like that, uh, a fundraising type event. But you got to have a good reason to move it to week zero. So we need to come up with something creative. Somebody's hurt pretty bad for Florida State. I didn't see what happened. I don't know if anybody else is watching the cheese at ball. Does anybody know what happened here? No, I've been concentrating on on one hundred percent on the show. I don't even have my, my thirty two all in uh, in, uh, in the fourth, and Florida State's got it like third and six. But I don't know if it's their quarterback or who got hurt for them. If anybody in the comment section knows, uh, post it on the screen. Let us know. Uh, for no, sure. Dave, we have. We have some more comments on Johnny Gardner chiming in saying Isaiah Winstead elevated us, a key contributor to the success of our season. And he showed that, that one could use our setting and team to elevate and showcase his skills, um, became a personality, um, attacked the NFL on the way you've been attacking each day at ECU. Yeah. Great. So, 
uh, appreciate Johnny chiming in as always. And then, uh, and then uh, Robert Dedrick says regarding the FSU Oklahoma situation, looked like an offensive lineman. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying, I forgot about that. I thought you were talking about Winstead being O lineman. He's a big dude, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, just a little slim. Yeah. Yeah, he's you know, very not, not that same body type. Um, I, I, I'll tell you guys, I, I do think, you know, and I'm not just saying this because we had Isaiah on the show. I, <clears throat> I do think he is very capable of having a great career in the NFL. And, you know, you look at him, obviously the, the, the size is there, right? 6'4", he's got long arms, he's got range, um, athletic kid, you know. But what I really like about him, there's two things I like. I like his ability to come down with 50-50 balls is 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 really kind of on the next level, in my opinion. Um, when he's matched up one-on-one like we talked about and you throw those jump balls, he's going to come down with that more often than not. And I, I really like that ability of his. And But I also liked how there were some games where we showcased his uh, ability to run the drag route uh, or, or the kind of the shallow crosser which he was pretty effective in his run after the catch too. So, you know, I think he's got a really good um, skill set, you know, beyond the obvious, the size and everything. And I do think if he's given an opportunity, he could, you know, have a great career in the NFL. I, I really believe that about him. And and I don't say that about everybody. I tend to be pretty realistic. And I, I do see it though, guys. What do you think about that? Yeah, when the 50-50 balls you were talking about, um, I, we probably should change for Zay. We should probably uh, make it 70, 30 balls or whatever. It seems like it's way more than 50, 50. It, when you have a chance, when you hold nailers, you thank God for a guy like when you have a guy like playing the slot, like CJ and you have Winstead, you got, you're like, you throw the ball up, but those guys are so tall, so athletic. They jump up and they make you, you know, like look great. Like just, I don't know. just, uh, for me. Uh, when I see those, when I see the ball thrown up in the air, I'm like, man, we've got a good shot to score a touchdown, and more than not, we do. Yeah, I say it's physical, um, and he catches 50-50 balls. As mentioned, uh, his one weakness probably breakaway speed, but he he he's a he's a he's a guy that you can throw the ball to, and he's going to get the ball 90% of the time. And uh, yeah, he'll he'll definitely get an opportunity in the league. Um, he'll make a roster. I'd be shocked if he didn't. And to your point, Kyle, um, we, we talked about his consistency, um, you know, five to seven catches, 60 to 80 yards and it, um, in pretty much every game. And then a lot of games where he exceeded 100 yards. And um, you referenced the breakaway speed and how not a ton of big plays. I think he had one catch over 35 or 40 yards, and that was the one against Navy where the, the corner went for the pick on the hitch route. And it ended up going 75 to the house. Yeah, uh, but uh, very consistent. And like I said, if you throw the ball anywhere near him, he's going to get it. Let's talk about, uh, obviously, the bowl game, our great show, the Higher Football Playback, brought to you by LNK Custom Homes. Top of the screen, you see that Kevin Walker, give him a call, 336-688-8461. Thanks, KK, for your support of the program. And let's see, uh, i tell you what, uh, I just want to get your guys, this is our first show since the bowl game, get your reactions of the game. What was your emotions like during the game and your overall thoughts? I was obviously happy with the way we played. Um, frustrating in the first half with all the penalties. Felt like we could have been up by more than 10, but 
second half was a lot of fun. Um, I never truly relaxed until, you know, when they cut it back to 16, I was still getting a little nervous. So when we went up by 24, uh, I want to get your thoughts on that, Dave, going for two. Um, but uh, when we went up by 24, I, uh, I was able to finally relax and realize that we weren't going to blow the game. Because uh, that's just how I am. I won't relax until it's definitely put away. But very proud of the team, proud of Holton, proud of the receivers. Um, we really played on offense as, a, as, a, as one unit. And defense did enough. De- defense made some big plays. So, um, you know, when Grayson McCall went out, I think we would have won the game regardless, but it would have been much closer. When he went out, I kind of knew right then the game was over. Yeah, I think it would have been a touchdown, 10-point kind of game, um, like Vegas has said, the line. But uh, when he went out, um, does anybody know his condition? That, that was a uh, – I, I, I think it was just protocol. I think he's all right. Okay. All right, because it looked it didn't look very good. I uh, hope he is okay because that was uh, – that when he came right down his head, right? I mean, it was not a neck. Yeah, he was on the sideline the whole rest of the second half in a hoodie, nothing around his neck or head or anything. So I think it's just concussion protocol. All right. And then uh, as far as uh, I, I was really happy with with uh, Holton, Holton and his game, and uh, I know he talked about his legacy. Um, future, most definitely a future ECU Hall of Famer. A lot of uh, people can – you know, twist the numbers and stats. Well, he was here five years. There's a lot of guys who were here five years and they don't have the stats of Holt Naylor. So really proud of him. And uh, with the game he played, uh, certainly uh, to, to think about guys, the first game he came in, remember the Carolina game, he scores a touchdown uh, yeah. from that point to now. Uh, really proud of him and his accomplish- accomplishments. And Keaton Mitchell, he had, I was wrong, guys, by two yards. It was 142 yards. And I said he would have 140 on our bowl show, if you remember. So I, I'm sorry I was off by two yards. I thought he had 124. It said one four, well, I saw 142. Thank you. Yeah, he uh, – yeah, we'll get, we'll get a little feedback. Um, but as far as Keaton, yeah, he finished the year with, with 1,452 – I believe it was so, but um, I'll, I'll double check what he had in the game the other night. Welcome into the show. I know that he's been taking care of family matters. Uh, a, a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame. He's in our Hall of Fame for the sports objective. One of our contributors, Terry Gallagher, playing the Pat Dyer. Captain Bunk, welcome in. Long time no see. How y'all doing? We're doing great. How about you? It's, it's always a great day to be a pirate. Terry, what are your thoughts on the ball game um, the other night? Obviously, the results is what we wanted. What were your overall thoughts? Oh, thought we played well. Thought we took care of things. Uh, never really felt like we weren't uh, in control of the game. And I thought we did exactly what we should have done. It was great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Came out and um, you know, took that 10 nothing lead early. We're uh, pretty sharp. Of course, you'd like to have gotten a touchdown um, on that first drive, but you had the penalty that put us in the third and goal with the 20 situation. And then I like the call to go with the quarterback draw to make the make the field goal more manageable, as you as you know. And not a whole lot of plays there uh, 
third and third and goal at the 20. So I, I like that. And then um, like the aggressiveness, uh, as Zay Winstead mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, going forward on fourth down on multiple occasions. I know some of that's unfortunately caused by the PAT field goal team and the extreme inconsistency there. Um, but, you know, on the whole, I'm very pleased with the performance. Um, and just too many penalties. That was very atypical. And um, not only I think what we've been averaging like 35 or 39 yards of penalties coming into the game, and uh, we had something like 80 in the first half. But um, like you said, Terry, really felt like we were in control throughout. And that um, get the last two minutes of the first half and then the first four minutes of the second half because Coastal was getting the second half kickoff. Uh, we got that big score to go in up. 24-14, and then uh, we forced a turnover coming out you know, where, where they reviewed it and ended up overturning it. And then uh, so we went from up 17-14 to up 31-14 in about five or six minutes of game time. And um, like Kyle said, wasn't totally comfortable once they cut it to 16 in the fourth quarter. But uh, um, one of the things we did then, like we did throughout the game, was answer every single time. I'll tell you guys, one thing I loved about the the game was I really liked the offensive game plan. You know, Donnie, we, we kind of talked about this last week before the game, uh, you know, in, in terms of taking what they give you. And he came out, Terry, uh, as a former wide receiver, I'm sure you love to see him. I think the first, I don't know, I guess it was the first six plays, maybe seven, he was throwing the ball. And I thought that kind of set the tone for the night. I thought that was a really good game plan. Yeah, he used the pass to set up the run. And, that was, uh, that's more than Coach Dye would throw it in the game, right, Terry? Look, that was almost a season. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys being from uh, Pirates, knowing where the pro both of you are very passionate about the team you play for in the purple and gold, I want to get talk to Captain Bunk first and then uh, Matt Semenzo played, of course, Pat – you Pat Bunk played for Pat Dye. Of course, Matt Semenza played for Steve Logan. What are your thoughts knowing where we were in the Coach Miller era where we're so, we were like dead last in FBS to now we're winning the Birmingham Bowl just four years later? It, it was a uh, – when we hired Mike Houston, uh, he came in and, and, and created a foundation to a situation that – was pretty, we'd gone into a pretty deep hole uh, in all aspects of, uh, of the overall ECU, actually. But, uh, but Coach Houston, uh, regardless of what fans wanted to do, he, he maintained the consistency of coaches uh, for these years. And we're just now at the end of the fourth year. The next year will be his first complete team, if you think about it, if you give him a five-year cycle. So if you look at where we are right now to where we were at the end of 2017, <laughs> then, uh, or 2018, I guess it was, uh, there's a huge difference, and it's only going to get better. Regardless, 
of all the there's so much else going on but but i think what he's done is be able to create a, a solid foundation of players and uh we're gonna lose some but that just gives others the chance to step up and terry one of the things um, we've seen a tr- tremendous um a very dramatic improvement with is running the football. Um, we we had not had a thousand yard rusher since Dentavious Cooper back in 2013. Prior to last season, uh, last year Keaton had a little over 1100. This year, he has uh, well over 1400 yards, and um, it's just all 700 750 yards away from becoming East Carolina's all time leading rusher and passing Junior Smith. But uh, after the game, we found out. East Carolina offensive line coach uh, who had, I guess, four stints under five different head coaches, um, Steve Shankweiler. Um, coach Shank uh, made it known that he was going to be leaving the on-the-field coaching role to be in a off-the-field role, high school relations, alumni relations. And so I know he's a guy that you had the opportunity to develop a relationship on during his days coaching high school ball in Georgia as well as at Georgia Tech and uh, obviously during his time at ECU? Oh, it's uh, – Coach Shank is a pirate. <laughs> Anybody that would come here in on four different occasions to uh, – to, and then even within those, he would stay well. And uh, at one time, he may have – should have been the coach and, and the head coach. But that didn't work out. And uh, I think that uh, that it's great to have him stay in, in that uh, situation. Because uh, you won't find a better guy and a better coach than Coach Shankwell. He's been able to evolve, which is hard for a coach in their 60s now to be able to do. And, and uh, the changes that have happened in the last Gosh, even 10 years as opposed to like a 20-year cycle. And, and I can't tell you the number of years Shank actually has. It's 40-something years of coaching overall. <laughs> so yeah. you, you think about where he's come from and where he is now and how, how good a job he, he's done and, and every step of the way. So I, I have nothing but respect for him. And, uh, you know, I love the guy. I'm glad he's going to stay on his power. Yep. And he, he was here under Art Baker, um, was retained by Bill Lewis, followed Coach Lewis to Georgia Tech, and then had the chance to come back under Coach Logan in the late 90s. I think it's 98 to 02. And then uh, came back with Skip um, after having developed that relationship with Skip at uh, the University of South Carolina on Lou's staff. And then uh, obviously, Obviously, now with uh, Mike Houston um, following him from James Madison. Uh, it- well, after uh, after his, his time at, uh, at Georgia Tech, he uh, coached uh, high school football in right. Georgia for a few years. And uh, at one point, I I was one step away from uh, taking a job with him as a uh, as a coach, and it just didn't work out. What's the name of that school? He's the head coach at Terry. He was at a Glen Academy. Yeah, I knew it was something Academy. <laughs> uh, Brunswick, Brunswick, Georgia, St. Simon's Island. 
Uh, by the way, we want to give a shout out to Richard Allsbrook uh, from the great state uh, of North Carolina, but he's from Williamston and uh, Pirate Nation. And this is a great one, uh, Terry. I hadn't thought about this. Great point by him. He says that Shank deserves ECU Hall of Fame. Absolutely, Richard. That's why we have the smartest listeners or viewers, uh, period, anywhere. He, he, he is ECU. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he definitely deserves to be in. You look at the amount of time that man has given. Think about coaching, guys. Um, the amount of – he's been in he, – he's been around more uh, years than a lot of coaches have been here. So, um, and, you know, if it's Logan, Skip Holtz is another one that should be in. Um, there's other people that should be in. But uh, certainly as a coach and a position coach, there's nobody better than Shank. Yeah, Shank, um, Shank's been here, like you said, under four different head coaches. Nobody else can say that. Um he is a pirate, like like uh, Terry said, and uh, Shank uh, Shank definitely deserving of the Hall of Fame. I guess one of the closest to Shank, as far as uh, serving on multiple staffs, is uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick. Uh, I was going to say Donnie K. Donnie on Skip staff as running backs coach, as well as receivers coach, and then obviously um, the Ruffin McNeil tenure as uh, receivers coach, doing an excellent job oh. with. Justin, yeah. Hard, Justin Hardy and company, and um, and now Coach Houston is OC. Yeah, and let's, uh, let's, let's talk about Donnie for a second, guys. I mean, just a real real quick on Donnie. Uh, there were a lot of people this year, you know, you read message boards and, you know, you, you read these different things. A lot of people ready to write Donnie off this year, guys. And, you know, you got you got to give Donnie credit. I mean, especially these last few weeks of the season, you look at what we did at Temple – I mean, we rolled up, what, how many points was it, guys? I, I can't even remember now. What, 48? 48. 48, thank you, Kyle. And, and you know, I, I think he – I do think he adapted here. You know, I, there were some new wrinkles in the offense. If you look at the bowl game, if you really look at it, guys, there was there was more horizontal passing than I think we've seen this year. Like little, little uh, uh, passes. I, I don't know if they're wide receiver screens, but just kind of throwing the ball out wide. To the wide receivers, we tried to get the ball to Keaton in space a little bit. Um, so some new wrinkles. So I was happy for Donnie because, like I said, a lot of people tried to write him off, but uh, he was able to bounce back really strong here the last few weeks. Yeah, after the Houston debacle, uh, we we bounced back by scoring 102 points in the last two games: 49 against Temple and 53 um, against Coastal Carolina, and. Think about some of these numbers. I know earlier I mentioned uh, the statistic uh, for the first time ever in East Carolina football history. We had a 3,000-plus-yard passer, two 1,000-yard receivers, and a 1,000-yard rusher. Um, you you look at the per-play average, 6.6 yards per play. That's the best ever in East Carolina history. So that's – sure, we, we ran a lot more plays um, – but that's, that's the average. So um, you go back in uh, 2014, uh, that was the next best 6.5 yards per play. So that just sh- that illustrates the explosiveness of, of this offense, obviously Keaton Mitchell, but uh, and just how consistently, uh, you know, we operated seven turnovers. Uh, that's the fewest turnovers ever. And by a wide margin, the, the least turnovers we had committed prior to this, this year was 14 and that was in 2007 and and the turnover margin we were plus 13 um, and that was 
defense did a good job. Don't get me wrong. That I think last year we forced something like 23 turnovers, so not quite as good on that side. The loss of Jaquan McMillan had a lot to do with that. Um, but um, because of the offense taking such good care of the football, not turning it over in the, the last seven games, and sure, we got fortunate in a time or two against Coastal Carolina where we had a pick drop. But um, you know, that says a lot for Holton and also um, the job that Keaton Mitchell, obviously Rajay before he went down, Marlon Gunn. Our running backs do not fumble the football. Um, and it's, it's unbelievable you know, how rarely they put it on the ground. And, you know, I think that number, the turnover margin, ranked sixth all time. And um, you look at it just offensively, and those numbers that I just rattled off, sure, you can you can always find numbers to kind of make your case. Um, not Maybe not always, but a lot of times you can. But there's no denying how good we were this year offensively. Sure, we had our shortcomings at times. And uh, – especially against some of the, the better competition. But um, you look at it on the whole, uh, you got to be thrilled with, with where we're headed. And uh, a, a lot of the a lot of the criticism uh, was quite frankly uh, folks who, in my opinion, don't know a whole lot about what was going on. Well, Fire Donnie! Fire Donnie! <laughs> yeah exactly we've never had that before let's fire him so we can get back to let's get back yeah. to misery uh we love misery so much around east carolina no i'm, I'm being facetious and, and the whole thing is people don't understand there is a uh, i know passion is one thing but there's also practicality and, and the whole thing is uh look at what he gets paid comparatively speaking, to other offense coordinators, even in our own conference. Where are we going to hire somebody for that? <laughs> what, you know, how are we going to improve ourselves if we're not willing to pay our assistance? Well, that's one of the – that's a nice uh, segue for me, guys. Not only that topic, but there was rumors going around. There's going to be – we heard from our good friend Stephen Igo – and others that there's going to be coaching changes. I don't know if it's just Shank. Um, for me, special teams has been a big concern for a lot of us in Pirate Nation, if not all. Um, what are the coaching changes do you guys see? I know that's hard. It's probably just speculation at this point, but um, we've been around the game of football for a long time to know that when things aren't going well, when you look at Coach Houston, he's made coaching changes every single year. Uh, so this year's not going to be different. Well, obviously, we're going to be hiring a line coach. That goes without saying. But I would take Shank's advice also on that hire if I was Coach Houston. Obviously, Coach Houston's got to hire who he wants. But Shank, Shank would be would be in the, uh, the it would be one of somebody I would consult on the hire. But um, I, you got to do something about special teams. I, you know, I, I don't know if you you know he our D line coach, our special teams coordinator, coordinator D line played well at times this year, at times not. I, I don't know. I don't know if you just remove him from that role or or if you outright do away with him and bring in a new D-line coach and a new slash special teams coordinator. Uh, so I don't know how you handle that, but obviously something has to change on special teams. I mean, it's the fundamental of the game. is blocking and tackling. I mean, blocking, tackling, special teams. Um, well, well, you're getting back into the uh... – Oh, uh, 
salary situation. Uh, you know, in order to do a lot of this stuff, you got to pay more. You got to have uh, more money to pay more people. And uh, we're not close to keeping up in that respect. And so people can complain all they want. But <laughs> you got to put something else where your mouth is. No, so, I agree with you. I agree with you. We, we got to have, have money to spend. But at the same time, almost anybody could have probably done a better job with special teams than uh, what we have this year. If we can come up with money for NIL, why can't we come up with money for coaches? <laughs> I, I haven't seen us come up with much money for NIL, uh, Derek. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, supposedly we are. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I never saw we need NIL. <laughs> not that you're going to tell us. <laughs> oh, I'd tell you. I'd be happy to tell you. <laughs> Pat yeah. Guy brought you a whole bunch of suitcases of money. The Georgia oh, yeah. yeah, He that was Coach Emory when he was at Georgia Tech recruiting Herschel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, we, uh, you're definitely right about a lot. Uh, one thing I will say is, uh, and we have them for those watching now or live or archive and for listening, Team Boneyard, um, you know, we've got to we've got to do better with that, too. We're both. And he, here's the situation we're in, guys. We've been talking about uh, March is our fifth year anniversary. We've been talking about we've got to have a plan and a strategy and not to beat a dead horse. The reason I bring that up. The issue of the indoor practice facility, the problem we have, we're always playing catch up and we're always behind. The reason we're always behind is that we don't ever have a plan. And so now what's happening is basically the indoor practice facility is something we should have had four or five years ago. So we're behind on that. Then we have the issue you're talking about, a bunk. We're always talking about we don't pay the coaches enough, which is true. And then the new wrinkle that we have now is NIL. So we're, we're getting hit in multiple ways. Well, as far as the, the coaches' salaries, you know, we're paying coaches and both you know, head coach and assistants uh, more than we ever have. Um, Mike Houston, I want to say it's what two point three, two point three million, two point three or two point four is, but um, considerably more than we had ever paid a football coach. And um, I, I don't know how much greater the assistant coach salary pool is, but. Uh, and obviously, um, despite us paying more than we ever have, um, you know, how is that relative to the competition? Because they're also increasing, like Terry's saying. Uh, so that's that's something else that would obviously need to need to be looked at. Um, but in order for those pay increases and for the indoor practice facility to be built and players to be funded. Um, be a team boneyard or otherwise for NIL, um, we have to have folks step up and uh, and hopefully that will continue to happen, whether it's private donations to team boneyard by individuals or uh, corporate donations. It'd be nice to to get some on that side. And hearing that uh, we are going to be able to uh, take care of, um, um, you know, some of the, the prime players, some contributors to this year's team in, in hopes of uh, keeping them around um, and have them remain Pirates. But, um, you know, SMU, for example, 
SMU obviously is very well known how much money they have, um, despite their um, poor support in terms of uh, attendance at games. They have a, a lot of money and some deep pocket donors and 85 scholarship football players each getting 36000 apiece and then 13 scholarship basketball players each getting 36000 apiece. That comes out to $3.53 million. So um, that's just an example from uh, and probably the, the high-end example from our competitors. I know uh, UTSA recently lost, lost, uh, you know, launched a very uh, – lofty uh, NIL program as well. And I'll see if I can find out a little bit more about that to, to share with our viewers and listeners. You know, guys, you look at this whole NIL situation, you look, you look at the portal. I mean, it, can you imagine being a head football coach in college in 20, excuse me, 2023, I need to say 2023. Now uh, it's just unbelievable what's going on in college sports. I, all right, so let, just look at this as sort of a small microcosm. Just look at East Carolina football today. Let's just look at today. We had two players go into the transfer portal, right? One, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not surprised uh, by Hickman, right? I think that's probably a good move for him and wish him the best. Um, and then Jira Wilson, obviously, that that one kind of came out of nowhere to me. Um, hate to see him him go. Um, but then you look at the flip side, we were able to bring in a portal player from North Carolina, Nash. So you look at you look at the events here just today, and it's unbelievable the movement we're seeing. Um, you're trying to keep up with so many things now. You're trying to keep up with this NIL business and so many challenges with that. And then you're trying to figure out now on a yearly basis, how do I manage my roster? You know, it, it's it's unbelievable. You're you're constantly in a situation where you're going to be losing players, and then you're you're filling those holes. You're plugging holes. Maybe occasionally you get ahead of the game, but my God, it, this is this has got to be brutal for a college football coach, especially at a school you know in the American Conference like we are, where you just don't have the financial resources like you know, the Oklahomas of the world, and, and even to Bubba's point, the SMUs. If I'm not mistaken, we we signed 15 players, right? 15 Before or 16. Christmas. Yeah, I think it was 15 or 16. Six, was it 16? Somewhere in that neighborhood, yes, that's correct. And that left us nine scholarships. Yep. And I'd say a great – I'd say that's where – We'll fill in some of them with the transfers. No doubt. And uh, guys with the issue of, you know, people talk about Mason Garcia. Well, Mason Garcia is going to be great if, and I can finish that sentence, we've got to have the offensive lineman. Bubba and uh, guys help me out. I believe we've lost three uh, between Avery Jones leaving, graduation, all that. I think we've lost three O-linemen. Is that correct? Or am I off on that? Yeah, Avery Jones, and then it was released today. Um, not surprising. Noah Henderson is entering the NFL draft. and He's battled some some injuries. Um, so not surprised to see him um, take a stab at the NFL right now. Uh, and then uh, and then also Justin Redd, the, the grad transfer from Norfolk State. That's right. Okay. So, so now you're in a position, guys, where you really have to try to find two offensive linemen, in my opinion, in the portal. Not one, but I think you really have to find two. 
um, guys with starting experience. I like some of the young linemen we have in the program that haven't played yet. You know, I think uh, Jacob Sacra, uh, highly recruited kid, a lot of potential there. Um, and you hope that they're ready to go, you know, six months from now. But, you know, you, you're really going to have to try to dig into that portal um, to try to find at least two impact guys who have started in other places. Um, I think that's the big thing. Guys who have started and can step right in like Justin Red did this year and, and, and sort of, you know, from day one, be that guy. No question. Uh, I noticed we signed uh, several players from Georgia. <laughs> I'm always happy to see that. <laughs> that's another thing that uh, Houston has rock solid ties to South Carolina, Georgia. Um, you know, I, I'm a North Carolina guy, obviously Captain Bunk and Semenza. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of guys in the 252, the 919, the 704. Uh, not to say I'm picking – I know those those kids are quality kids. I'm glad they chose us. And I know how great the high school football is there. Um, but I'm hoping also we can sign some more uh, guys in the future. It won't be this class, but uh, from North Carolina. Well, I don't care where they're from if they – produce <laughs> oh, i know that i know that ultimately i, I know that but uh and another thing guys is truthfully uh these guys in the past they're going to schools where that are winning and right now we haven't been winning and so the north carolina kids are going to go to other schools bigger schools maybe like clemson alabama's of the world that kind of stuff um but it's going to be fun to see uh, what we pick out and then when you look at our schedule next year it's going to be great. I'm already excited, Terry. You got to pack your bags. 246 a days away from the big house. I've already been to a big house. I don't want to get it no more. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bubba, Bubba, are you going? You've got to go, uh, Mr. Big Ten, Matt Semenza. I know you're going to the big house, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. That that's that's a bucket list, guys. You you got to go to that one for sure. And by the way, Captain Bunk. Check this out. Uh, Eastern Michigan, by the way, Semenza has a, a game. Uh, I hadn't told you, Bunk, um, but they have a game the night before. Scott Weatherby on our show told us to come up. Um, yeah, Justin Butts, you're going to be in the big house. Okay, yeah. Uh, by the way, Justin, why didn't you come and hang out with us? You were you were going to hang out with us. I'm disappointed. I'll just say that. I'll call you out on our show. <laughs> I'm just joking. I, I'm joking, of course. But uh, – but Eastern Michigan, Matt, from the MAC, is having a game the night before the Friday night. So he invited us to go to the Friday night game, and then we're going to go to the big house on Saturday. So we've got an eventful weekend uh, for sure. And oh, that's even, awesome. Very even cool. Rick Benner, Rick Benner told us to uh, hit him up, and we're going to uh, hopefully see him too while we're up there. You know, he's an analyst for the defense. He Rick Benner is one of my favorite guests we have on the show. I, I could listen to that guy talk for hours. I mean, he's just like – Drops knowledge left and right, so that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, he it's was be fun, guys. It's going to be fun. I hope we can. I hope we can go in there and 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 you know be very competitive in that game. Not an easy situation, though. You know, just from the standpoint of you know you have a new quarterback. You know, it's the first game of the season potentially. I, I really hope we can get that Gardner Webb game uh, added to the schedule for week week zero so that we have a little more um, cohesiveness going into week two, which would be Michigan. 
Captain Bunk, uh, one of the things you took, by the way, I want to give you credit for through this whole process of the last four years. Uh, I was thinking about you after the game, thinking about Terry told us, trust the process. Every time he's come on here a lot, he says, trust the process. I think that this situation with Garcia, we need to tell the fans to breathe. Uh, it's Again, there's great that it's 246 days before our first game in Michigan. Um, it's great for us to speculate and talk about what we think is going to happen and all that. That's what we do. That's why we have a show, one of the reasons. But I think uh, I don't think there's as much concern uh, as people think it should be because it is what it is. Uh, but I don't think that – do I think he's going to be lighting things up and be the best thing? I'm not saying since sliced bread. But at the same time, I think the people that think it's going to be a complete disaster – after the kid has held a uh, a clipboard for three years with uh, waiting two or three years waiting for her to play, I think he's going to be all right. Have you ever uh, stood beside the guy? He's massive. <laughs> if he's not, he's not the biggest quarterback we've ever had. Then I mean, I really can't think of one taller and thicker. Maybe David Garrard is the only one I can think of closer. Yeah, definitely not as tall, but uh, thicker before he trimmed down. When, yeah. when Coach Logan had him running around Greenville in a trash bag with Coach Connor. Yeah. You can't do that now. <laughs> well, yeah, but that Garcia thing, it drives me crazy because the people, Terry, I'm going to do my Terry right now. The people are complaining about Holton, so they said put Garcia in. And now there's no more holding. They're saying, wait, wait a minute, Garcia's not, he's not ready to play yet. You got to play him a whole bunch. And I'm like, Mike Houston is a great coach. If he didn't think Houston, if he didn't think Garcia was ready, Garcia would already been the transfer portal if he was not going to be the guy. And I told you guys that a year ago. But I don't know how much they did it throughout the season, but in, in their practice and uh, before the uh, bowl game, uh, Garcia took, just as many reps as uh, uh, Holton did in practice. So uh, they uh, Garcia was was about. I mean, he was he was getting every bit of just like I said he was getting as much work as uh, Holton. And uh, and and he, I think, uh, it was a uh, uh, it was good to see just what kind of team we're gonna have coming back during that time. Because they did use some players that uh, maybe hadn't played as much, and, and it was a shame Garcia couldn't get in. But uh, he got all the practice, he, you know, that he could. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're going to see us use like early in the year. I think you're going to see us use Garcia differently than we use Holton. Like in a lot of ways. I mean, sure. you look at Holton this year. You know, five years in the system, he was able to come off of his first read and scan the field and go to his second and third read. I think what you're going to see a lot more of with Mason, especially early, I think you're going to see a lot of wide re wide receiver screens incorporated. I think you're going to see the deep ball incorporated more often with him. Um, but just things to kind of simplify the offense a little bit where you just have one read and you sling it. And then, you know, as the season progresses – He's going to get more experience. He's going to get more comfortable. Um, and then uh, I'm sure they're going to expand the offense a little bit. But um, it's going to highlight the importance, guys, of, of having Keaton Mitchell. I mean, if you can break in a, a young quarterback with a running game, 
you know, that's that's that makes all the difference in the world. Let's make that's sure the, make sure we oh. keep go ahead, Terry. I said let's make sure that Keaton is here next year. Absolutely. Well, you're, you're the guy that's got the suitcase. You're supposed to take the money to him, don't you? You didn't hear about that in the grocery store parking lot? <laughs> nobody, nobody told me because they haven't seen my suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> well, that no longer has to be the case. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, now, now, we just, now we just need to, uh, you know, maybe uh, I was thinking about different possibilities. And How much do you have in that recliner? Do you have a whole bunch of? Just to create an LLC for it. <laughs> yeah that that's one thing guys that my concern is i know matt you said it before is the fact that growing up i know captain bunk knows it very well matt i know you do but i mean speaking of um smu what they were doing is nothing compared to what's going on now and they got the death penalty you know and I, i'm not being old guy right here i said my simple point is like now, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Just uh, let's raise the money and let's make it happen. Like with uh, the team Boneyard, it's a collective. Um, and another thing too, guys, that my cons- my biggest concern uh, now is which are we going to have? Are we going to have a booster club, the educational foundation, educational foundation we call it the Pirate Club, or are we going to have just the collective? Because I mean, it's like we're almost competing against ourselves with the two. I'm not anti that. I love it. Um, and I'm glad that Henry Hutton and his son, Hank, and others are stepping up to the plate. I'm not knocking them at all. So let me be very clear on that. I'm just wondering, um, how does that, how do you balance the two? I, don't, I really don't so much. <laughs> it's a, it's such a, New new world that uh, it's just just all the more uh, I mean reason why we have to you know work our tails off to to grow our donor base. I mean, it, it, as far as the pirate club's concerned, it, we've seen it sh- shrink from what right at eighty four hundred, at least eighty three hundred, down to down to below five thousand. Uh, I I want to say is it sixty two hundred now? Yeah, it, it got down to as low as like forty three hundred, forty five hundred, and yeah. now it's worked its way back up to where it's right around six thousand, just under or over. Uh, we'll see if we can get get that uh, year end number uh, to see how we've progressed. But um, yeah, it was just a perfect storm in a negative sense, and with all of our all of our losing uh, on the field, which has fourteen. Fortunately, changed, and now we've won 15 games in two years, and things are obviously headed in the right direction. And uh, we're putting ourselves in a position where we're ready to contend for championships in the new America. Yeah, and I'll tell you guys, like, just I worry about the unintended consequences with this NIL stuff, and it might not be something that you realize a year from now, or even two years from now, but five years from now. I really think this is what one of the things that's going to happen. It's going to affect the way coaches coach players. And, and let me let me expand on that a little bit. You, you know, if you have some of these players that are extremely talented, maybe a diva type personality, right? Where you know, back in the old days, you could go at these guys hard. You could coach them really hard. You know, now it becomes a type of situation you coach them too hard. Hey, guess what? You know what? I'm going to have, I have one foot out the door. Um, I'm going to look to the portal. I'm going to look to NIL. 
I'm going to look to these other options. And I think you're going to, it's going to have a huge impact on the way players are coached. You're going to have coaches who they're going to have to spend more time recruiting internally throughout the course of a season. That's going to be cut, become almost like an added feature of the job. Recruiting internally is going to be something that you're going to hear a lot about. And I, I just, there's going to be unintended consequences like that, that are going to really, the, the NAL is just going to, you know, have these impacts more than people realize. Speaking of NIL, I think that uh, Semenza, I think Captain Bunk is looking for all that money he has underneath the recliner <laughs> or in the uh, the cushions there, the recliner, because uh, you got a lot of money there. You can dig deep and give to Team Boneyard Pirate Club. Look, my dogs, they want treats. They think it's bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, Bubba, we had uh, Axel chiming in. If you want to put that up, I'll pa- pass it to you. Yeah, appreciate Axel chiming in uh, with a, a number of questions and uh, comments. Um, but I mean, Axel, going back a few minutes ago, um, as far as the Michigan situation and um, also NIL, he said we'll be interested in the way Barstool Sports leads up to the Michigan game. Portnoy is a big blue guy. Keith Mitchell and Sub Dogs both have partnerships with Barstool. I bet ECU fans show up in Ann Arbor. Um, I agree. Uh, It's such a unique game. Obviously, the first time the programs ever met. Uh, The big house is a bucket list um, venue um, right there. If not the largest, you know, one of the largest, very close to um, the the biggest venue in college football and the Michigan tradition, back-to-back playoff appearances. And who knows? We'll see how it goes this year, potentially a national championship, if they can um, take care of business against TCU and then either Georgia or Ohio State. Um, but uh, some interesting points he brings up there uh, regarding Barstool. And then Axel was also saying, he said, um, Houston knew the situation he was in and handled it well, let it play out, and we'll go into 2023 and really button down, he hopes. Um, he said, he said, number two, I'm talking about Keaton. Um, Keaton does have a significant other on the uh, soccer team so he says he doubts he goes anywhere uh, he's a super, <laughs> superstar here um, that that obviously always helps um, and he says build a program with fidelity more business decisions find him the loot and, yeah. then, and then Craig chimes in saying the freshman sophomore and junior classes are the first classes in a long time that probably have a feeling like we did in the 90s uh, the winning tradition um, builds pride while the losing years builds apathy. So happy for this generation of Pirates. And, yep, um, that's a great point regarding the, the mid to late 90s. And then also that stretch under Coach Holtz uh, from 2006 to 2014, we went bowling every single season uh, uh, under Holtz and then Ruffin McNeil uh, with the exception of 2011. That's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. I hadn't thought about that, but that's that's right. And, um, and Captain Captain Bunk and Semenza, I wanted to ask you both. You both played through. In fact, uh, Captain Bunk, you're part of the what's considered the modern era with Division One football with Pat Dye. He took it up to that level. You guys, the 1978 Independence Bowl champions. Um, I mean, that's a huge bowl. And back then, there were not many bowls like we discussed many times. Semenza, you uh, you know what it's like to be in uh, <laughs> an amazing run there with Coach Logan. 
and now you have a situation with Houston, with you guys, with the uh, die and Logan, where do you rank Houston already? Do you think he's on the path of being up there with a Logan and Pat die with the legacy? I know there was a lot of talk about legacy with Holton Naylor's, but what about with uh, coach Mike Houston? Go ahead. Well, I mean, I could just say like, I think I really like the progression you know, like I, I think you look at what Mike Houston's done here. He took over a bad situation, a really bad situation, a bad football team. And every year he's been able to take positive steps in the right direction. I feel like, um, you know, I'm not ready to put Coach Houston up there yet with like a Pat Dye or a Steve Logan. But, you know, I, I think, that, you know, the story's it's not finished yet. I mean, he... If Mike Houston stays here for four more years, and, and I hope it, it, it all works out that way, and um, and he wins a few more bowl games and continues to have some big wins, um, then then certainly you know he could find his way up there, Dave. But not not yet. I can't go there yet, fellas. I'm not there. Well, yeah. like, he's only five, yet. He's four four years, like you said, and. Um, and with the circumstances we, like you said, we had, we were at dead last. The good thing about being dead last, you only have one way and that's up. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brandon had a question about the Michigan game. Uh, uh, what game that, uh, what network that'll be on. It's definitely not going to be on um, ESPN for sure. It's going to be on more likely Fox or big 10, I would think, or definitely ESPN plus right guys. Don't, don't I would say uh, with the success that Michigan's having, they're coming off of a playoff appearance, and then, and then uh, who knows? Uh, like we just said, um, maybe a national title this year. Um, I, I would expect that one to be I mean, probably more than the, the Big Ten Network. I don't know all the specifics there as far as the Big Ten Network is concerned, and and what some of those um, what some of those things are but uh, I, I would say uh, at the very least uh, probably ESPN too if, if not the mothership to, to use the term you like to Dave yeah I, I really feel I feel good about I feel good about that game as far as um, number one the exposure the check I forgot Bubba how much were you getting for that game is it a couple mil yeah, yeah, I think I'll um, confirm, but it's pretty, uh, pretty nice payday, and um, this was a game that was that was signed by John Gilbert. Obviously, the it yep. was very well documented the the financial situation. He said this isn't something he wants to do much, but um, you know, really, really felt like his that he needed to to assist with our financial battles that we were that we're still fighting out of. Yeah, well, what? Hey, can we take all right? So, if we're getting say two million, can we put like a million dollars for the coaching pool and then a million dollars? It's one point eight. Justin says 1.8. Okay, that I thought it was right at two million. Okay, so can you take half that money? Can you take half that money? I don't know how that has to be appropriated, but could you put half that money towards NIL? I mean, like 900,000 a million towards that and and put some more money towards the coaches to keep them. I mean, we, those are two of the biggest things that uh, yeah, we're going to get the money as far as the donors for the indoor practice facility and all that. We'll get all that. 
I'm not worried about any of that anymore. It's now NIL and, and Captain Buck. I know your your point is not sexy, but you're right on the money when it comes to keeping coaches. There's only one way to uh, – if you fire him, there's only one way to get any coaches with more experience or uh, what you would consider a step up. Uh, because of what the pay is, as opposed to what, uh, like say, even schools in our own conferences, uh, we just don't pay our uh, coordinators uh, that much. So, <laughs> relatively speaking, that is. Oh, Axel brings up a great point too about the LED stadium lights. Uh, he says. Can you imagine a purple haze rave and the Dowdy following a pirate touchdown? I absolutely love that, Axel. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, the experience, by the way, that bowling there in Birmingham was like night and day. I hate to use that cliche, but Legion Field versus Protective Stadium was like a Pinto versus a Cadillac. I think we've heard that somewhere right, right before, but I mean, it wasn't even close. Um, the stadium was awesome. I really liked that. I even liked the fireworks. I thought that was a nice touch, and Unfortunately, that didn't show that on television. I wish they had. Um, that's what our friends back home, like Captain Bunk, I know Semenza, Kyle, um, they didn't see that. So, uh, but that was a real nice touch, the LED lighting. And there's a lot of other cool stuff that we can do for the fan experience for sure. I'll tell you guys, one, one thing, you know, since we're kind of going back to the bowl game here for a second, I, that I really wanted to mention was that one of the things I really liked about this game in particular. Guys, the time slot was yes. amazing. Absolutely amazing uh, opportunity for ECU. We had a national audience all to ourselves. We were the only football game on TV at that point. There were games that led up to it. And then we led into the Wisconsin game. I think that started at like 10 o'clock. Right. Um, so we had, we had prime time, man, uh, all to ourselves. And – that I, I'll tell you, that's I was I was impressed with that, you know, with the with the Birmingham ball. I thought it was just a perfect, uh, you know. There's some bowl games they kick off at like on a Monday at like you know two o'clock in the afternoon. We we really couldn't have done better with that with that time slot, guys. So that's that's that was huge. Glad you brought that up, and I mean, <laughs> with that that bowl, I mean, I don't know how it looked on television. I've seen a little bit, of it, but watching it live. But, uh, man, that that stadium, they had everything very organized. Um, I, I was really proud of how many Pirate fans showed up. Uh, it was great. We had the uh, – there's the east side where Coastal was sitting on, and we were on the press box side, the west side, and the west side had a lot of people on it. So it wasn't, I'm saying, completely full um, from uh, left to right, if you will, but as far as for the amount of Pirates that were there, uh, I'm just disappointed a lot of Pirate fans opted out because it was Birmingham and not Tampa or Boca. Um, I know there was um, – Matt's still upset, butthurt that it wasn't at Fenway Park. Um, I know. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, my friend. One of these years, buddy. One of these years, I, you know. But, hey, I, I'll gladly give it up because our time slot was way better. Fenway kicked off at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, and we got prime time. Yeah, that's a great point. Axel also um, chiming in regarding the time slot uh, right at dinner time, same as evening news, perfect time and only show in town and an exciting game. 
great point uh, about the exciting game piece, uh, Axel. Guys, what do you have? You heard the numbers I haven't so far on how many viewers we had. Because I have not. I'll, I'll see if I can dig up any information on that uh, earlier. Absolutely. though. I've been looking for it and I haven't been able to find it, but I know I'm not the numbers guy, Bubba. So I haven't looked uh, like from the last, I looked this morning, but not like the last, you know, eight or hours or more. I haven't, but I was just curious to see if anybody knew that because I think that's one of the things that we need to harp on is uh, I know myself and, uh, Matt and Captain Bunk, we're we're not the young guys anymore. But I'm, Kyle is on to something. The streaming numbers for the Pirates are are really good, and we need to have our leadership uh, really push hard on. When you look at football, basketball, and baseball, and ESPN Plus, when you look at Stephen Igo with Hoist the Colors, there our fan base is so passionate. And now that we're winning again at the level we are. I'm telling you guys, uh, the numbers for, you know, when they, everybody talks about our television market, uh, man, I didn't know that. And look at what Craig put up there. I had friends texting me watching the game, um, this being Craig Doucette, saying that he hadn't heard from these folks in years, and they have zero ties to East Carolina. And the time slot definitely had, had a positive impact. And uh, earlier we were talking about some of the numbers as far as Coach Houston's contract and uh, – bonuses as well as his staff's uh, bonuses for going to a bowl game. Uh, do not know the staff's uh, bonus. Um, my guess is that it might be like five or ten grand. I'm not sure. But uh, Coach Houston, who makes $2.3 million annually um, as of his new deal last December, um, so this is the first of um, five years in which he'll receive that $2.3 annual uh, salary um, where, where he has $1.4 million base pay. Uh, he received a $50,000 bonus for going to the Birmingham Bowl. Well, hey, there's Keaton Mitchell's NIL right there. So, you know? what? Yeah, Coach, it, it, if Coach only Houston's it worked gonna that hate way. Me. <laughs> Coach Houston's going to hate me. But, there, hey, there's fifty grand. Let's hey, take hey. that. What do you think, Terry? Can hey, we put Terry, that you're in the parking lot? You're the guy in the parking lot with a $50,000. Oh, I've, I've got some old jerseys I'd like to sell. So. <laughs> <laughs> Keaton needs, a, Keaton needs an NIL deal with an electric company uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> what, what do you think my uh, three catches for 218 yards would have done for an NIL? <laughs> might get a six-pack out of that. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Captain Mike, you'll get some PBR. <laughs> I don't know, but... Like I said, we whatever we think doesn't matter because we're not those young kids anymore. And oh, it's such a change of time. But we've got to change with the times. But if we don't change with the times, we're we, going to get behind. We were happy to get a box lunch of chicken for the plane ride home. <laughs> Man, that sounds good to me right now. What about you, Semenza? <laughs> Bubba is like perfect. He eats like so perfect that, you know, don't um, – I saw no, you. Not, you not not really. Uh, I I just do my best to work out so that way I can eat more of what I want. Well, Bubba's like six eight. You know, you see him in person, he's at least six eight. He'll surprise yeah. you like that. He wears, he wears heels. Minus guys. five inches. Minus five inches. <laughs> you know, six, it's the thing about Bubba. He's six, got he's three, got six three, six three. <laughs> six three plus three inches at least. Yeah, he's listed lower than he really is. Um <laughs> in the tub shirt. Um, 
anyway, that was a great. Uh, Richard was uh, Richard Cruz has a great question. Uh, what was the attendance of the game at the Birmingham Bowl? Um, I have not. Bubba, have you seen that? And how many pirates for the game? Um, I have not. Uh, I've looked in multiple box scores. So I'll see if I can find that. You know, based on uh, just just eyeballing it, um, the stadium seats just shy of forty two thousand, like forty one eight something, and uh, that was a sellout last year. My guess is, I don't know, probably probably about ten. You know, between eight and ten thousand. And as far, as far as East Carolina fans, no, four to five. Um, yeah. In be- best case scenario, uh, I'd, I'd say worst case scenario, probably about three and a half. <laughs> uh, Richard Osberg wants to know the attendance of Bucky's. I'm going to tell you something. With Florida, South Carolina, that, that exit is a, is an absolute zoo. My daughter didn't know anything about Bucky's, right? And she had to go to the bathroom. So we stopped at that exit of all exits. And when she saw that sign of Bucky's, she's like, Daddy, can we go to Bucky's? I'm like, no, <laughs> because it was an absolute nightmare if you to the right as you're pulling off that exit ramp. But um, definitely, I know Kyle wants to go. Have you ever been to Bucky's, Captain Bunk? Uh, they had built one in the uh, – uh... Back in one Robins, Georgia, just off Interstate 73. Oh, uh, before I moved up here in 2020. Did you like it? I I wouldn't go to it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd be hanging out there with it. It was like a mall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll have to do that. I told the kids, my daughter keeps asking me about it now that she saw it. Yeah. Um, and, um, well, 40 something, something gas pumps. See, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, Captain Buck, if you have a choice between south of the border or Bucky's, which would you pick? Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, Mark, parking lot. <laughs> yeah, Dave, I actually gassed up at a, a Bucky's uh, about 15 minutes outside of Birmingham in Leeds, Alabama. Yeah. And, yeah. and so uh, so I stopped there late yes. on late, late on Tuesday night, and um, they had a problem with the or I had a problem with scanning my credit card at the pump. So I had to go in and when I went in the store, I was like, yeah, I'm on pump, uh, pump 52. I just thought about that because of Terry saying something about 40 pumps. I said, yeah, pump 52. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's an experience. And they have, they have so many, so many pumps. Um, and obviously, you have um, video surveillance at uh, any convenience store, pretty much. But uh, they have so many pumps there just to confirm that you're in fa- that you're not mistakenly uh, telling them the wrong pump. Uh, when I said pump fifty two, they're like, "Is that you, uh, your blue SUV on the screen there?" I said, uh, "I was like, yes, sir." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I have the Maserati. <laughs> uh, Richard uh, also is asking Richard Cruz, "How was the food of the game?" Did not eat at the game. I, I got my belly full um, on Tuesday afternoon uh, at Dreamland. Uh, had, had some ribs, a split, a uh, full rack of ribs, and then also uh, some some uh, chicken nachos. I, I, I know or chicken fries rather. And I, I know Dave, you had the Dreamland experience as well. Yeah, Dreamland was fantastic. In fact, that barbecue sandwich was when they say large, they should say extra large. It was so. 
uh, huge. The service was tough on, they, they didn't expect Pirate Nation to come out, is what they told me, um, because we were having to wait a lot of uh, time there. The food was excellent, and the service overall, I think, was good. They just didn't have a lot of people, and they didn't know about the bowl game, or they didn't know that it was going to be that many people coming, is what we were told. But anyway, as far as the food of the game, um, my daughter and son, they had the cheeseburger and fries, the drinks. People were complaining, you know, they were $6, but I was like, that thing was a huge drink uh, for 6 bucks. Coke products. I mean, I didn't have a problem with that. The uh, Everything seemed to be pretty normal to me. The prices, I got a uh, popcorn, I think, was a few bucks, four bucks, three, four bucks. I mean, I don't think that's too out of hand. And regarding attendance, I checked the official box score from, from the bowl game. Since my ESPN app as well as another app did not have it. And there is no attendance listed. So they, clearly they don't want anyone to know. There you go. Sold out. <laughs> <laughs> Dreamland was awesome, but the food of the game sucked. Okay, thank you, Justin. <clears throat> Appreciate that. Um, no, I thought overall it was good. I thought it was good. Um, in fact, Craig was – oh, excuse me, Craig. Uh, it was great in the stadium club. He said chicken, barbecue, cornbread, veggies – Hey, wait a minute, Craig. You're supposed to be our friend, our new pal, and you don't bring us there to the, the stadium club. By the way, congratulations. I want to give a shout-out to Brian Dilday, um, who we've had on, of course, in the left field with the megaphones for in the jungle for baseball. His 50th birthday was on the 27th at the uh, ball game, and they actually arranged it where they got the whole family and friends got to be upgraded to the stadium club area. So congratulations to him. I want to make sure that I mentioned that before we uh, left tonight. Yeah, definitely. And um, kind of going back um, to what Terry was mentioning earlier, and uh, we, we were all discussing it regarding to the production of this offense and uh, you know how it stacked up um, historically, um, just record numbers. And um, I think, and this is a conversation that we've all had. Um, I know this is something I discussed with multiple people um, over the last few days down in Birmingham, and this is nothing against Mason Garcia or any quarterback we have in the near future. But um, you know, I think next year that um, you know we'll realize exactly how special what we've had with with Holton has been. Uh, he had 28 touchdowns to just five interceptions this year, and uh, you look back at some of the the quarterbacks we consider to be um, the best to ever wear the purple and gold, you know, be it a David Garrard or a Shane Carden and a Marcus Crandall, et cetera. And um, the the numbers stack right up with them. Uh, so it's tough to compare errors, but Holton Aylers is undoubtedly one, one of the best to ever wear uh, an East Carolina uniform at the quarterback position. No doubt about it. Yeah. I'll just jump in on it really quick. Like, I, man, I was bothered the other night on some of the message boards. People still bashing Holton Aylers, guys. I don't care what anybody says. That kid is a gamer. He's tough as hell. Yep. He's, a, he's a grinder, as Bubba would say. He's a grinder. You know, he put his heart grinder. into it. Grinder. The kid put his heart into it. Was he perfect? No. Nobody's perfect. But that kid... I'll defend him forever because he, he's a freaking gamer. And, uh, you know, he plays hard. You know, he he, he plays hard every week. Hey, 
and that was awesome to see him set a bowl record, a Birmingham bowl record, five touchdown passes, six touchdowns accounted for, which is also a bowl record, as you would guess. Uh, and then uh, to see him be able to get on that ladder after the game and um, you know pull the Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning used to always jump on the ladder and direct Rocky Top. It's great, great to see uh, Holt Naylor's uh, do the same uh, with the Marching Pirates and EC Victory during the postgame. Yeah, and by the way, guys, I think our society, uh, people, Matt, to your point about Holton really quick as we wrap this up, I know we're over an hour and a half now, but uh, get this. The kid, every time that people wanted to count him out, he answered, including uh, we he won us a bowl game. Um, we had three, three and nine seasons, and that kid took us to two bowl wins back-to-back the last two years. I think what it comes down to is, is our society has to be right about everything, and they can never admit when they're wrong. And I just wish there were a lot of Pirate fans that can admit they were wrong about Holt Nailers. He had a chance to leave, guys, last year. He had it speaking of NIL. He had Nick Saban call him. Nick Saban called him to recruit him even in the 11th hour before he came here. How many players, let me ask you for the Pirate Nation, how many players at East Carolina have had Nick Saban call them? Um, not many. And there was a lot of uh, places he could have gone, including Dave Dorn and NC State. Uh, we could look at that. Um, I think he did deliver on what he set out to do to bring us back to a respectable, going to bowl games, winning seven games last year, eight this year, and the bowl victory. Uh, so anybody that is putting down Holt Nailers is an absolute idiot. And I'll just say that you're an idiot. And I'm sorry, we have a personal friend that I think the world of, and that's what I'll say about him too, to anybody that can put down Holt Nailers after all that he's gone through and all that he's produced, you get your mind, get your mind straight. Instead of being right about everything and self-righteous, get your mind straight and realize it's a great kid. He did a lot for East Carolina and I'm done. Dave, uh, Richard Cruz has another couple questions for us uh, pertaining to the quarterback situation as well as uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick. And we'll, Tackled the uh, Mason Garcia question first. Uh, Richard says, hey, guys, one last question. Is Mason Garcia going to be our starting quarterback next year? Is there anyone behind him? Uh, we'll yeah. see. He's a, he's a starter at Michigan. It certainly uh, seems that way right now. Coach Houston addressed that uh, during one of his bowl press conferences, saying that uh, Mason will be entering the spring um, with it being his job to lose uh, or to win, uh, however you want to phrase that. Uh, you, you'll have Alex Flynn as the number two. Obviously, uh, Ryan Stubblefield entered the transfer portal. Uh, yep. We'll see where he lands. And then uh, you have Raheem Jeter, the talented uh, true freshman coming in from South Carolina that will be number three on the depth chart and uh, getting significant reps in the spring as well. And um, because of that, you know, Coach Houston said that he liked uh, Raheem being able to uh, get significant reps in the spring. And uh, at this point, uh, based on what we're hearing, um, directly from Mike Houston, um, it does not appear that we'll bring in a, another quarterback for the spring, but we probably will, uh, or perhaps will, depending on who's available um, before the fall. And look, the only way that Mason Garcia is not the starter is unless he does something off the field uh, academically, anything. I'm speaking hypothetically, of course. Otherwise, he's going to be the starter. Um, we have other nice pieces in there. We were loaded with talent. Uh, we've just got to improve on a new offensive line. You could look at the uh, linebacker and DB. We'll have a show where we 
Uh, yes, Richard, he has uh, he has three years left of eligibility, and that's one reason why people would understand he didn't play played sparingly this year. Yeah, purpose. hats off to Mason Garcia. Um, he's definitely the exception in this day and age, especially at the quarterback position, uh, to, um, to stick with it and, and stay in this situation. And um, you know, hats off to Mason for uh, staying the course and continue uh, to remain at East Carolina. We've heard how much he loves being a Pirate, and uh, he's going to have his opportunity. Um, Craig Doucette saying – uh, Holton's throwing motion improved tremendously this year, in his opinion, that he assumes that was a result of his camp work with the, the Manning Pass Academy. He also went to quarterback country uh, to improve his you know, throwing motion, footwork, et cetera, down in Mobile, Alabama. Um, and then he's got the hula Garcia, Garcia. He said Garcia throws a sweet ball, tight spiral, and strong arm. Uh, watching him in warm-ups uh, on Tuesday night was impressive. Uh, yeah, I was doing the same, Craig. He definitely has um, the arm talent, as they uh, – that's the the word you like to – or that you, that you hear now uh, you, when you're listening to all the, quote, gurus and uh, and coaches and so forth talking about kids. Um, but um, there's no doubt he has some of those things. Um, but we'll see um, how, he, how he handles it um, throughout the spring and then moving into the 2023 season and um, puts everything – together uh, and then um, go ahead Dave uh, no I was just going and uh, Robert Dedrick says Garcia takes his lump next year but is ready for the 2024 playoffs baby that would be great hey we'll take it Robert uh, guys I did want to mention too by the way before I forget um, as we were celebrating on Tuesday night uh, early Wednesday morning uh, one of our sponsors, we lost one of them, um, meaning uh, they passed away uh, from Porky's Backyard Barbecue. Terry Holiday, he and um, Mark Holiday are brothers, and uh, they run Porky's Backyard Barbecue a lot. He passed away. It was uh, not as it was very unexpected, and so it's still a big shot. So a uh, shock. So to myself, and uh, I know Richard Allsbrook knows him well, and a lot of people that are from the Williamson area know Terry. He's had a lot of civic work over the years. Uh, he would give you the shirt off his back, and I just uh, can't believe that he's uh, he's gone. So we're going to miss him a lot, and um, certainly our thoughts and prayers with all the Holiday family and friends, and uh, we give our kind regards to that. So I want to make sure that we did that before we go, and I know we're going to promo some content coming up. Yeah, uh, sorry, I'm back now. I thought you saw where I said I was going to step away for a moment. But, oh, I'm uh, sorry. But regarding Richard's question uh, about Donnie Kirkpatrick, he said, um, do you guys feel as though he will be back next year as offensive coordinator? Yes. 100%. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the successful um, season on that side of the ball. Sure, there are things that we need to improve on. <laughs> DK would be the first to tell you that. But um, the production speaks for itself. And, um, you know, if, if he wants to be back, I feel I'm very confident that uh, he, he will be back. And there's no reason, in my opinion, that he, that, uh, he won't be or shouldn't be. And um, I think it would be, the only thing would be a situation uh, like Coach Shank where it's on, on his uh, own accord and just choosing to step away. And I don't see that being the case. And um, I think – um, the, he's obviously developed a strong rapport with uh, Mason Garcia, 
and uh, it would be extremely unwise, in my opinion, to do anything else. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Uh, by the way, Richard, if you're joining us late, uh, Steve Shankweiler stepping down as far as on field, he's going to be off the field alumni relations and high school recruiting. That's the only coaching change that we know of. And so we're not going to speculate anymore on that, but that's all we know of. And I think that'll be the only change. So for all the Donnie haters out there, sorry, you're stuck with him again. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm a huge fan of Donnie K. So uh, that was great. I uh, appreciate you, Craig, for uh, coming out. He said he was uh, happy to meet us in person. Uh, likewise, my friend, you're awesome. And I uh, appreciate your jokes in person. That was even better uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh all right, we're going to get out of here. Let's talk about some new content coming up, Bubba. Yeah, um, and before we plug some of the things we have headed your way, um, had an excellent conversation several days ago now with Zion Agnew back on signing day. So definitely go back and check that out. Um, Matt and I caught up with the talented wide receiver from the Palmetto State Ridgeview High School down in Columbia. Uh, so um, excellent 20-minute chat with Zion. So uh, check that out, and we'll have plenty of more um, signee recruits um, conversations headed your way. And one of the the next to, to be uh, on the docket for our listeners is Tymeer Brown, um, a very talented defensive back uh, coming back to eastern North Carolina. Uh, he's from Jacksonville, uh, transferring from uh, University of North Carolina. So um, we'll be catching up with him tomorrow, um, that being Friday. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, we'll also catch up with former Virginia Tech OC uh, from the Mike Vick era and also Louisiana head coach Ricky Bustle. Um, that will be probably between the, the um, semifinals and the championship game. And we'll also catch up with um, JC, Johnny Cornell from the pot up with Matthews in the morning. Uh, Shane Matthews and a Florida-centric podcast. Um, very uh, similar. They do um, pretty much uh, with the Florida Gators, what we do with East Carolina as they focus on Florida, but also talk college football and other sports topics. And we'll get J.C.'s thoughts on uh, how everything's played out in the bowl season and uh, what lies ahead in the championship game. And then also um, we'll get some stories from J.C. as a uh, – as it pertained to covering the Florida Gators back in the 90s and the Steve Spurrier years when they were contending and playing for national championships like in 1996 when they fell short against Nebraska out in the desert. No doubt that's going to be a lot of fun. And he was wearing the hat, as you showed us. He's a fan of the Pirates, so appreciate J.C. for his support and wearing the ECU hat on, the pod, on their podcast uh, for sure. All right, uh, thanks to Bubba tonight. Appreciate Terry. Appreciate you, Captain Bunk. Thank you, Matt Semenza. Appreciate you, brother, uh, very, very much. We'll get thanks, out of folks. here. Pirates win it big, 53-29 over Coastal Carolina. And you've been watching Pirate Football Playback. It's right here on the Sports, sports Objective. Easy for me to say. Good night, everybody. And as always, go Pirates. You've been watching the Pirate Football Playback on the Sports Objective. Join us next Sunday night on our YouTube channel and Facebook Live as we talk East Carolina football. Follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Please like and follow our Facebook page 
and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. Go Pirates!